Thank you for stopping by the Cypress Church Podcast. We are a church community who seek to worship Jesus, love one another, and serve the world. We hope you'll come away from this podcast with your hearts refreshed from hearing the Word of God proclaimed. In 1959, John F. Kennedy, who was not Chinese, used the Chinese word Wei Ji in a speech. He explained that Wei Ji meant danger, but that it also had the idea of opportunity embedded in it, so that we should look at every danger we face as an opportunity. Well, that's an amazing idea. It's a great morale-boosting, motivational speech to give people hope in the face of hard times. The problem was, it wasn't correct. Victor Mayer, professor of Chinese language and literature said, the word is most accurately translated, and you'll see it up on the screen there, Wei Ji means a dangerous moment, a time when things go awry. There is no sense of opportunity in the word, Victor Mayer said. But because John F. Kennedy's translation resonated deep within the hearts of so many people, now there is a technical meaning of the word Wei Ji, Danger, no opportunity. But there is also the popular meaning of the word Weiji, which is danger is always an opportunity for something great and big and blessing to happen. So you have the technical sense of the word Weiji and the popular sense. And what's interesting about this for us this morning is that both the technical and the popular sense of the word Weiji come to bear on Acts chapter 4. Both are true. We see both in this passage. So if you have your Bibles, if you would open up with me to Acts chapter 4, page 1160 of the black Bibles in the pew in front of you, page 1160, Acts chapter 4. Up to this point in our study in the book of Acts, everything has been going good. It's all been positive thus far. The Holy Spirit has come. The gospel's being preached. Thousands of people are believing in Jesus and being baptized. The church is growing rapidly. But here in Acts chapter 4, there is the first wave of resistance The church, this newly formed church, experiences its first wave of opposition here in Acts chapter 4. This is a time where the technical sense of the word weiji comes to bear on this passage. It was a time of danger, a time when things began to go awry. But these young Christians faced this resistance with a sense of the popular version of the word Weiji. They saw this danger, the danger of persecution, as an opportunity for the gospel to go forth even more rapidly so that they might experience the Holy Spirit even more. 
So our outline of Acts chapter 4 is going to fit all of these things. First, we're going to look at the danger. Then we'll see how they face that danger as an opportunity. And then we'll see the fullness of blessing that comes out of these believers facing persecution with a great sense of faith that it leads to the blessing of God on the church at the end of Acts chapter 4. So with that, let's look first at the danger, the danger. We'll start reading Acts chapter 4 verse 1. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came about to about 5,000. And on the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that this may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. We see in these first 22 verses the danger. But I want you to first of all notice the very first word in verse 1. It's the word and. 
You see, everything in chapter four was built upon and connected to chapter three. And that word and connects chapter four back to chapter three. What happened in chapter three? We saw Peter and John going to the temple. All the action happened in the temple of Jerusalem. And Peter and John see this man begging outside the beautiful gate and they call this man to have faith in Jesus to heal him. This man had been lame. His legs didn't work for over, since birth for over 40 years. And this man had faith that Jesus could heal him and Peter took him by the hand and this man stood up and went from being lame one moment to leaping around praising God all throughout the temple the next. And this drew a massive crowd. So right on the heels of this great miracle, a massive crowd gathers around Peter and John and this healed man. And Peter starts proclaiming the gospel, the saving message of Jesus to this massive crowd. And right at the very end of his powerful proclamation of the gospel, that's where chapter four begins. And verse one all of the religious leaders were greatly annoyed. There's some great things that happen in this chapter, but one of the great things that happens in this chapter was these men were greatly annoyed that this, this preaching of Jesus was going on. Now, if you look at the, the, the list of people who were the rulers there, you've got the priests, you've got the captain of the temple, that's like the temple police. The Sadducees, Annas, Caiaphas, these are the very same leaders that just two months earlier were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. Same men. Annas and Caiaphas were right there in charge. All these other people, they were there. They were leading the crowd of people in the chant, crucify him. That's these guys. And this is who Peter and John and the man who was begging and has now healed, they were brought before these same leaders, the same leaders that crucified Jesus just a couple of months before. We know that the man who was begging, who was now healed, was with Peter and John. In verse 10 and verse 14, it tells us he was standing right beside him. So you've got these three men and they are thrown in jail. They're in the temple these rulers get greatly annoyed. They get arrested, thrown in jail. They spend the night in jail. And then they're brought out against the, uh, before these leaders, same people, same leaders that crucified Jesus just two months ago. And these leaders, it says in verse seven, they set them in their midst. That means they surrounded them and they began interrogating them. And here's what's really fascinating. Not only are these leaders the same leaders but they ask the same questions that they did when they interrogated Jesus. By what power or what name are you doing these things? Same leaders, same questions, same threats. And the powerful thing is that Peter and John and this man who was begging but is now healed have the same boldness that Jesus displayed before these leaders. Look at verse 8 through 13. Just really think through Peter's response here. Peter, who had denied Jesus just a couple of months earlier before a young servant girl, 
Couldn't even stand up to a young servant girl and say, yeah, I know him. Now, he's standing up before the very same leaders that crucified Jesus, that were responsible for his crucifixion, and he says this, but Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, take note of that, said to them, rulers of all the people and the elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. He stares them right in the face and says, I was here. You guys were responsible. Jesus died, you crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. It is by Jesus, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, and now Jesus has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved, only Jesus. So Peter stands up in front of these same religious leaders who are asking him the same questions and threatening him with the same things, throwing him into the same jail that Jesus was in just two months ago. And, Jesus, and Peter stares these guys in the face and said, you crucified Jesus, Jesus died, God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus is the one who, res who healed this man. Jesus is God's king. And there is no one else in all the world who can save you from your sins only if you have faith in Jesus. And it says, it says those same leaders were astonished. And they looked at Peter, not like he was one of the apostles, but they looked at him for what he really is, an uneducated, common, ordinary man. He wasn't part of the religious elite. He hadn't gone to the, the synagogue rabbi school. Who was this guy? But he sure was speaking truth, and he sure was talking about Jesus, and they thought they'd got rid of this whole Jesus thing two months ago. They thought Jesus was dead and buried. They thought he, that this would wipe out all of the discussion about Jesus. And now here in the same temple that Jesus was proclaiming to be God's king, here are his followers proclaiming that Jesus is God's resurrected king. This was not dead and buried. They had not silenced Jesus' followers. He was, they, these guys were just getting started. And they were greatly annoyed. I want you to take note of that phrase there in verse eight. This is an important phrase. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll see that same phrase, not only here in verse eight, but also down in verse 31. We'll get there later. But as we're reading through the book of Acts, now we're in chapter four, as we're reading through the book of Acts, we're starting to gather an understanding of what that phrase means. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me give you three ideas. Number one, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, first, you must empty yourself in humility. Can't be filled with the Holy Spirit until you're completely empty of yourself. So you need to empty yourself in humility. You need to surrender your whole life to Jesus. Jesus. 
and then allow the Holy Spirit to fill you back up, to control you. Empty in humility, surrender everything to Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to control you. Now, this is where Acts chapter 3 and the connection to Acts chapter 3 is so important because we saw in Acts chapter 3 that the Holy Spirit's role is to constantly and always, John chapter 16 verse 14, to always and constantly bring glory to Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit is filling you, then the Holy Spirit will lead you to bring glory, not to yourself, not to anybody else, but to bring glory to Jesus. And this is a really acute and super important observation about the the phrase being filled with the Spirit. Because it's in the book of Acts that we start unpacking this phrase. We get to know what this phrase means. We get to begin hearing this phrase. And in the book of Acts, every single time, here in verse 8, there in verse 31, but then every single time it's used throughout the book of Acts, one thing is true when it says that you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Every single time that phrase is used, the people who are filled with the Spirit are speaking about Jesus with boldness. Before being filled with the Spirit means anything, the first thing it means is we have emptied ourselves in humility, surrendered our whole life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is controlling us. And the first and dominant and primary fruit of the Holy Spirit's filling is that you will notice it. How? Because you'll begin speaking about Jesus with boldness. It happens every single time, every time. It's like blaring in our face. Every single time someone was filled with the Spirit, they speak about Jesus with boldness. Sila, stop and think about that for a long time. So when we talk about believing in Jesus and receiving the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit is permanent. Once you have the Holy Spirit, He is dwelling in you. He is indwelling you. But the filling of the Spirit isn't permanent, it's daily. Each day, you and I must empty ourselves in humility, surrender our whole life to Jesus, and allow Him to control us. And when that happens, the primary, dominant, first fruit of filling is that we will speak about Jesus with boldness. It's what we see right here. What does Peter do? He's filled with the Spirit. And what does he do? He stands up in front of the same guys that arrested Jesus, that beat Jesus to within an inch of his life, and then they crucified Jesus. And Peter stands up in, the, in front of the same people, stares them in the face and said, there is no other name by which we can be saved, only Jesus. And you crucified him. But God showed you guys, he raised him from the dead. You can't get rid of him. And these leaders were perplexed. They didn't know what to do. They were stunned and astonished at the boldness of these three men, Peter, John, and the man who was begging and is now healed. 
as they stood before him. So they didn't know what to do. So they came up with the idea, we're going to threaten them. We're going to tell them, do not use that name anymore. No more talk about Jesus. And what does Peter say? We can't but speak of Jesus. It's all we can talk about. They tried to shut them down and shut them up. But Peter wasn't having any of it. It reminds me of two, two verses, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. In Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 9, Jeremiah is being beaten and locked up in chains. And he's being told, do not speak of the Lord anymore. Do not prophesy in his name again. And Jeremiah looks his persecutors in the face and said, if I don't mention the Lord, if I don't speak his word, there is this burning inside me and it has to come out. I cannot not speak about the Lord and speak his word. There is this fire. And it also reminds me of Luke chapter 12 and verses 11 and 12. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 11 and 12, Jesus said, these were Jesus' words to you and to me, to Peter and John and the man who was begging is now healed. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. We see that verse come alive in Acts chapter 4 with Peter's response to the same men that crucified Jesus just two months earlier. So that's the danger. The danger is you start talking boldly about Jesus and you will face resistance. But the resistance leads to the opportunity. The danger presents us with an opportunity. Will we step into the danger or will we retreat? Let's look at the opportunity as it opens up for the apostles. We'll move from the danger to the opportunity. As John F. Kennedy's popular meaning of way G says every danger also presents us with an opportunity. So how did Peter and John and this healed man respond when they were ordered, threatened, warned, do not use that name again. Do not preach the gospel of Jesus. Do not share anything about Jesus. Don't even mention his name to anyone. Did they back down? Did they shut up? Did they back off even an inch from staring these guys in the face. Let's read. Beginning in verse 23 through 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, all of the believers gathered together, hearing this report, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them? Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, By the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, 
Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So Peter and John and this man who was healed go back to all of the gathering of believers. We're told earlier in the chapter there's over 5,000 of them. And they tell them, hey, we were speaking boldly in the name of Jesus in the temple and they arrested us and they threatened us and they threw us in jail for the night and then they interrogated us and asked us the same questions that they asked Jesus just two months ago. And they told us never to use the name of Jesus again and never to speak boldly about Jesus ever to anybody. And in response to that, these believers immediately started praying. And they didn't pray, Lord, let the persecution die down. They didn't say, please no more resistance. We don't want to get arrested. They prayed the exact opposite. They said, Lord, would you give us more boldness in the face of these threats to speak about Jesus? This reminds me of some prayer requests that we've been receiving. How and Abigail Gao. How is a uh, professor or teacher of Chinese at the Defense Language Institute in Monterey. And consistently, when, they, when How and Abigail fill out their prayer requests on the connection cards in the pew, they'll put those in and they'll have us, our prayer teams pray for Chinese Christians. The Prayer request from December the 17th last year was read this way. Please pray for Chinese Christians facing continual persecution, that they be strengthened in faith. It's kind of resistance and opposition and persecution isn't just theory. Brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering through this in China, North Korea, Afghanistan, South Sudan. I mean, there's like 50 places where the resistance to the gospel is severe enough that they are actually registering it as persecution against Christians, against Jesus, against the gospel. This is no joke. And a friend of mine from um, Texas received an email from one of his contacts in China, and they were saying when the believers in China gather together in the faith, I mean, they're destroying churches in China, they're burning Bibles, they're arresting pastors and throwing them in jail. That's what's going on right now in China. So please pray for the Chinese Christians who are facing this kind of persecution in China, is how and Abigail's prayer request. I'd ask you to join with me in praying for them. But these Chinese believers who are being severely persecuted, when they gather together, recite truth to one another. Things that are reminding them that in the face of the danger of persecution, there is a great opportunity for the gospel to go forth and for them to experience the Holy Spirit more. Listen to these things that they say to one another. Chinese believers reciting to one another these encouraging things that remind them that there's always opportunity in the face of danger. When you imprison me, you set the gospel free to spread more rapidly. When you put me in solitary confinement, you give me precious time 
with Jesus. When you beat me, you enable me to share in the glorious sufferings of Christ. When you take my home or farm, you provide me with the opportunity to travel to share the gospel. Come on. If you kill me, you usher me into eternal life in the kingdom of God with King Jesus. N.T. Wright, and you'll see this up on the screen, speaking about the believer's prayer in Acts chapter 4, says this. Praying like this is confident praying. They didn't pray, pray, Lord, please stop them from being so unpleasant. Or, Lord, let this persecution stop. No, the believers in Acts chapter 4 prayed, look, Lord, on their threats. And let us go on speaking with boldness, no matter what may come. And will you please continue to work powerfully? The church needs to learn what it means to pray with confidence like this today. Amen. When Christians speak about Jesus with boldness, when they are filled with the Holy Spirit, yeah, there's going to be resistance but there is also an amazing opportunity. An opportunity to be filled with the Spirit, to speak with even more boldness, and to experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in ways that will rapidly cause the gospel to advance, in ways that it would not if not for the, if not for the danger. It also leads to an outpouring of blessing on the church which gets us into the third aspect of this passage. We go from the danger to the opportunity, now to the blessing. Just as there was a report at the end of chapter two, kind of gives us this wide angle lens look at the church and it kind of reports what's going on in the church at the end of chapter two, the kinds of things that the church was experiencing at the end of chapter two after the Holy Spirit had come. We get another check-in report, a state of the church at the end of chapter four. It's a significant time because the outpouring of the Spirit has come. The church has been growing, growing, growing. The gospel's been going out. More and more people have been coming to faith. But now in chapter 4, there's a check-in because now resistance is starting to happen. Opposition is starting to be felt. Persecution is starting to come down like a hammer. So what are they experiencing now? Are they experiencing fear and doubt and disillusionment? Are there people falling away from grace and running from Jesus and turning their back on him now that they're starting to suffer? How do they respond as a church? Look at verse 32 through 37. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said of the things that belonged to him that they were his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as he had need. Thus Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, 
sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. In those few verses, there are 10 characteristics, and in this chapter, there are 10 characteristics of what a spirit-filled congregation, what a spirit-filled church experiences, even in the face of resistance, especially in the face of opposition. Let me read those things to you. I actually see pockets of these things happening here at Cyprus. I see all of them happening. I I hear the stories. I see people putting these things into practice in pockets of our congregation. Check this out. Ten characteristics of a spirit-filled church from Acts chapter 4. Number one, all who believed were of one heart and soul. Two, no one said the things that belonged to him was his own. Number three, they had everything in common. Number four, they gave their testimony about Jesus with great power. Number five, great grace was upon them all. Number six, there was no needy person among them. Number seven, they sold property, brought the proceeds and laid them at the apostles' feet to be distributed. Number eight, many people believed and were baptized. Number nine, their numbers grew to more than 5,000 men, not including women and children. And number 10, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word with more boldness. Even in the face of opposition, they're experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I see pockets of all those things happening, but there are two really important words in the, in the first and the 10th characteristic, and it was the word all. All who believed were of one heart and soul. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When an entire congregation is emptying itself on a daily basis in humility, when a whole congregation is coming before Jesus daily and surrendering their whole life to Jesus, when a whole congregation allows the Holy Spirit to control them and they understand that everything that the Holy Spirit is seeking to do in our lives individually, but in our church collectively and throughout our county is to bring glory to Jesus, which means that, ena- that empowerment and that enablement is going to come to speak the name of Jesus, to speak about Jesus, to share the gospel of Jesus boldly then you start seeing these kinds of characteristics coming not just in pockets and places, but with power throughout the whole congregation. This morning we've looked at the danger, the opportunity, and the blessings of what the church experiences here in Acts chapter 4. We've seen that things started to go awry, wagey technical sense. But we've also seen wagey popular sense coming through. The church started staring this danger of persecution in the face and seeing the opportunity for the gospel to spread even faster and for them to experience the Holy Spirit more. Every danger presents us with an opportunity. It begins helping us understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The first, the primary, the dominant fruit of the filling of the Holy Spirit is that God's people, believers, would speak about Jesus with great boldness. When they encounter opposition, 
When they face resistance, they don't bail, they don't back down, they don't shut up. They pray immediately together with the rest of the church for more boldness. What happens, what what can we predict is going to happen in chapter 5 and chapter 6? You start speaking about Jesus with more boldness in the same city that crucified Jesus just two months ago, and what's going to happen? More boldness, more persecution. These people have counted the cost and they're just laying it all down for Jesus. They're denying themselves, taking up their cross and following Jesus. And let's just have a little heart-to-heart moment here because I think when we talk about experiencing the Holy Spirit more as a church, everyone's in. Who doesn't want to experience the Holy Spirit more? Everyone's excited about experiencing the Holy Spirit more and we start reading through the book of Acts and we start looking at all this sensational stuff that's happening. We start seeing tongues of fire We start seeing lame men healed and leaping around praising God. We start seeing signs and wonders and miracles. We start hearing about dreams and visions. We start seeing ridiculous, radical generosity. We start seeing all these things and we're in. We want more of Jesus. Yes, more of the Holy Spirit. I want to experience more of that. But if that's the main focus... More of all the sensational stuff. We've completely missed the foundation upon which all of that is built. Humbling ourselves, emptying ourselves in humility, surrendering our whole life to Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to take control of our lives so that we would speak about Jesus with great boldness and not back down. If that's the primary thing that the Holy Spirit is seeking to do in your life and in my life, then should we expect to experience the Holy Spirit more and all the sensational stuff and all these 10 characteristics of the Spirit-filled church if we are all not willing to empty ourselves in humility, surrender our whole life to Jesus, allow the Holy Spirit to control us so that We speak about Jesus with great boldness. Should we expect all this stuff if we're not really willing to do the first thing? It doesn't work like that. The Holy Spirit is seeking to always glorify Jesus. And if there are people who do not want real, they want to experience all the, the miracles and the burning bush and all this fancy flying sensational stuff, they want to do all that. We're going to see. We're going to see a guy, Simon the sorcerer. He wants all the sensational stuff. He doesn't want to know Jesus. He doesn't want to hum, empty himself in humility and surrender his whole life to Jesus. He just wants to sell some stuff. He wants to make some money off Jesus. It's not going to happen. When the Holy Spirit moves, believers speak about Jesus with great boldness. Brenton, our sound technician, he'll go down on the wharf at Monterey and he'll just stand at the corner and start talking to people about Jesus with great boldness. 
Now, I'm talking about that kind of speaking about Jesus with great boldness, but I'm also talking about everything down along the spectrum from actually getting to know people who don't know Jesus and talking to them about Jesus as you're building a relationship with them over coffee, over lunch, as you share your life with them. Are you willing to bring, are you willing to speak the name? How often do you actually say the name Jesus during the course of the week? Because there is no other name in heaven and or on earth by which we can be saved except the name of Jesus. And if you never talk about him, how are people going to even know about him? How will people ask you questions about him if you're silent? So yes, we want to experience the Holy Spirit more, but first... Are you willing to humble yourself and empty yourself in humility and surrender everything to Jesus? When we baptize people here at Cyprus now, the third question we ask them is, and are you committed to following Jesus? No, no matter what the cost, without conditions or excuses for the rest of your life. That is a huge commitment. Are you willing to do this? But that's what we've got to ask ourselves every day. Yes, we have the indwelling spirit dwelling within us permanently once we believe in Jesus. But the filling of the spirit is a daily thing. Are you willing to empty yourself, all of your ambition, all of the things you really want? Are you willing to really release all of that? Surrender your whole life to Jesus, whatever he wants. Allow the Holy Spirit to control you, the spirit who is seeking to glorify Jesus. Because if you really, really want to experience the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to say the name of Jesus and to speak about Jesus with boldness. When that happens, you know the filling of the Spirit is happening in your life because every single time we read that phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, you see, what does it say here? It says right here, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with great boldness. And it greatly annoyed the religious leaders, but they just prayed for more great boldness and then they started speaking with even more boldness and they were speaking before when they were threatened to not speak about Jesus at all. This is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. This is great growth. This is signs and wonders. This is dreams and visions. But it's all laid on the bedrock of people who had fully surrendered their life to Christ. Have you fully surrendered your life to Christ today? I'm talking about laying down everything, all of your ambition, everything you've ever wanted and saying, Jesus, I will just, I will give it all to you. My, my, my grip is very loose right now on everything. It's all yours. It might say that I own it. The world might say that I own it, but it's all yours. You can do with everything in my whole life is yours. If you want me to use it for something, you'll just direct me by the Holy Spirit and, and it's yours. If you want me to give it to this person, it's yours. If you want me to change my job, it's yours. If you want me to move wherever, if the government takes my farm, I get to travel. If you put me in prison, the gospel's set free. You kill me, I get to be with Jesus for eternity. What's better than that? That's full surrender. 
That's what brothers and sisters are doing all around the globe today. They're experiencing the fullness and power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And we see here what's involved with experiencing the Holy Spirit more. Now it's becoming very clear what it means to experience the Holy Spirit more. Are you with me? Do you want to do this together? Does the whole church want to empty ourselves in humility, surrender our whole lives to Jesus, and speak boldly about Jesus? Because if that happens, yeah, we will face resistance. There will be opposition. But you know what we'll do? And beginning March 4th, we're going to be meeting here every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.30 for what I'm calling the hour of power. We are going to pray. And we're going to pray like this. I want you to start praying. We've been praying a prayer based on Jesus' words up until now. But I want you to start praying this prayer of the church in Acts chapter 4. Sovereign Lord, you're the one who created all things. These guys think they're in power. They're trying to squelch what you're doing. Who do they think they are? You're, You're in charge. You're going to get done what you want done. We want to be part of that. Are you willing to surrender your whole life to Jesus? Because he does love you. He was crucified for your sins. He died on the cross for all of your sins so that you could be completely forgiven. He was resurrected from the dead. And there is no other name by which we can be saved except Jesus. But he didn't just die so that your sins could be forgiven now. And he didn't die just so that you could go to heaven when you die. He died and was resurrected so that you and me could experience all of the fullness of life now. Beautiful human flourishing, just like we read about at the end of Acts chapter 4. All the blessings of this great grace that we get saved into. He wants you to experience all of that right now. But to experience that kind of life, you have to lose this worldly life. You have to surrender everything to Jesus. Are you there? Are we there as a church? Because I'm seeing pockets of outbreaks of the Holy Spirit in our congregation But as we pray for it to experience the Holy Spirit more, I want the whole congregation, I want all of us to experience this together. Trust me, if we experience all of this together, you'll want to be a part of it. But are you willing to do first things, the foundational things, surrendering your whole life to Jesus, allowing the Spirit to take control of your life so that you will glorify him? That's the question that is going to be hanging in the air over us for this next week. I pray that you will begin praying this prayer of Acts chapter 4 with me. Sovereign Lord, look at their threats, but give me more boldness to speak about Jesus. Will you pray that with me? Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for every single person in this room and everybody who comes to Cyprus who isn't here today for whatever reason. We do recognize you as the sovereign Lord, the King of Kings, Jesus, the one who has been resurrected from the dead, who is sitting at the right hand of the Father, who is going to return one day to judge the living and the dead. 
We know we are going to give an account of our lives to you, Lord. We want to be found faithful and justified in you, Jesus, and forgiven and sanctified by your Holy Spirit. We don't want to hold back anything from all of our lives now. We want it to be all of yours. So I pray, Lord, that you would give us a spirit that says, Lord, empty us with humility. We surrender everything to you, King Jesus. Fill us with your spirit so that we might begin to use your name and speak about Jesus and be prepared to share the gospel with confidence, with boldness, with a whole heart, with a true love for Jesus. And Lord, would you take what we offer, just our hearts, and would you use it for your glory in our lives, in this church, in Monterey County and around the world. We do pray for the believers in China, Lord. They're having their churches burned and and smashed to the ground. They're having their pastors thrown in prison. There's other people's Bibles getting burned, all sorts of crazy stuff. Lord, would you give them faith, just like how and Abigail asked us to pray for, to stand strong in the face of the danger of persecution and see the opportunity for the gospel to go forth. We pray for the advancing of your kingdom throughout the world, but especially right here in our own neighborhood as well. We love you. We commit our lives to you. We pray for your Holy Spirit to have his way in this church. In the powerful, in the mighty, in the resurrected name of Jesus, everyone prayed and said, Amen. Good morning again, Cypress Church. As Pastor Ben was teaching this morning, uh, one thing that I jotted down in my notes, a question that burned in my mind was, what is the danger in your life right now? What is the danger in your life right now? As the youth director here at Cypress Church, I'm around a lot of young people, feels like 24-7, seven days a week. And one thing that they're constantly telling me is the danger and the fear that they have in boldly declaring who Jesus is. I remember a conversation I had with a student a couple of weeks ago who flat out told me, Gabe, if I tell people, if I tell my friends, my peers who Jesus is, if I boldly declare, I'm going to be labeled a Jesus freak. They're going to think I'm crazy. I'm going to lose all my friends. What am I supposed to do? My sarcastic response to to him was, man, I'm sure glad Jesus did not have that attitude when he went to the cross. Amen. Because when Jesus went to the cross, he knew. He knew he was going to be there all alone. He knew he was going to be hanging on that cross by himself, but he did it because he loved us. He loved each and every one of us in this room. He loved the entire world. My encouragement to us as we continue to go forward as a congregation and experience the Holy Spirit more is to not remember the sacrifice of what Jesus did on the cross. Because if we remember that, if we embrace that on a daily basis and embrace who Jesus is, we're going to experience the Holy Spirit more. We're going to be like Peter was in Acts 4 and boldly declare it. Amen? Amen. All right. 
We're going to sing one more song in just a moment. However, before we do, I want to share three steps that will help you strengthen your relationship with God and others here at Cyprus. First, we will be having our first kingdom lab today. We're going to be having our first kingdom lab today starting at 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. here at Cyprus Church. It's going to be led by our very own Pastor Ben. If you want to become crystal clear on the gospel that Jesus preached, you won't want to miss this event. It's free. Also, child care, also child care is included. Secondly, uh, men's barbecue is going to be happening this Tuesday, February 25th, starting at 6 p.m. Our very own Eric Larson will be giving his testimony. I encourage and invite all uh, men to attend that event. We had a tremendous turnout at our last men's barbecue, so let's keep the momentum going. And for the third announcement, I'm going to stop talking and let Carrie talk. Hi. Um, yes, I wanted to give a final um, plea slash reminder of the worship night that we're having this coming Wednesday. Um, I'm really excited about it. I think that it's going to be a good launching point for our 40 days of prayer. And um, it's going to be really powerful. It's going to be about an hour and 15 minutes. And it's going to include uh, communion. Um, with each other as, uh, as a body of believers, but we're going to sing some really powerful songs and we are going to declare victory um, together, the victory that we have in Jesus already, um, but we are going to spend time uh, in the presence of Jesus. We're going to take more time. You know, we only, we have so much time here on Sunday mornings to, um, to sing and worship together, um, but on Wednesday night, we're going to, we're just really going to take some time to spend in the presence of the Lord and um, and listen uh, for his movement and we're gonna go uh, where the spirit leads and um, I'm excited because this is my first worship night here at Cyprus so um, please invite your friends and your family and your neighbors and um, and anybody really who likes music, because uh, it's this is a great time to to come uh, for um, you know maybe somebody who might be on the fence with this whole Jesus thing, but they really like music. So um, it's going to be really fun. So I hope that you come. Thank you so much, Carrie. Another simple step you can take right away is to stay after the service for a few minutes and get to know a few people on the patio where there are coffee and donuts available. You'll see in the weekly, we have a meet someone new challenge. We want to encourage you to meet three people today and pray for them this week. You'll be amazed at how such a simple practice as this will connect you with God and others. Also, if this is your first time, we'd love to have you fill out a connection card, which are located in the back of the seat in front of you. Also on the back of the connection card is a place for prayer requests. Cards can be dropped in the offering plate or taken to the Welcome Center in the lobby after the service. Also, uh, I wanna give, well, I got two of them, but I'm gonna start with uh, Bill and Leslie Musselman. This is their last Sunday here at Cypress Church. They're going to be moving out of the area. Can we please just stand and give them a tremendous hand clap of all of their service that they've done here at Cypress Church over the years. Bill has served as an elder. Leslie has done countless VBS hours here at Cyprus. 
You two are going to be really, 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 really blessed. I thank you both for your tremendous service here at Cypress Church. Also, I'd be remiss because I see him right there. Uh, and I believe in honoring, honoring those who have come before us. Our founding pastor, Pastor Wayne Adams of Cypress Church, is in the building today. Can you stand up, Pastor Wayne? There he is right there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us and worshiping with us this morning. You spend five minutes around Pastor Wayne and you're going to feel the Holy Spirit. So uh, thank you so much for your service. We're definitely standing on your shoulders, sir. Finally, one act of response to the preaching of God's word is taking of the offering. So I'll ask the ushers to please come forward to receive the offering. If this is your first time at Cyprus, please feel free to pass the offering plate. The offering is for those who call Cyprus home and are committed to, to us fulfilling our mission. As the offering is being passed, please join me in singing our closing song.
this benediction, church. Brothers and sisters, we are sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit to be God's witnesses, to proclaim the good news to everyone we meet, to share the love that God has lavished on us in Jesus Christ. So go from here in the power and strength of God to bear witness to all you have seen and experienced. Go in peace. Amen. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more information about our community, please visit cypresschurch.org. And as always, we would love to see you every Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. Have a blessed week. Bye.